0: Welcome to the Staff of Grout Podcast. I am Mike Stevens, and sitting across from me is the one and only future-first female GM in history, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. It's a fine Tuesday. How are you, Mike?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm good. It is a fine Tuesday. Uh, it's a little little cloudy, you know, in, in, in our neck of the woods, Rachel, but I can't complain. Um... Also Donald Trump is getting indicted like as we speak right now and they dropped a trailer for the new Barbie movie with uh
1: I'm so excited for the new Barbie movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm I can't wait. The funniest part about that is that Christopher Nolan's new movie about the the atom bomb um like both the cre- the creation of the atom bomb called Oppenheimer and then th- and then the barbie movie they both release on the same day in July. So so
1: you're gonna live at the movie theater that day. I might as well, might as well pay me? rent
0: at a movie theater because holy moly! Um, Do you want to go on a
1: movie date to see the Barbie movie? I feel like we should.
0: Yeah, we just we should roll up in like tuxedos and be like, you know, like two tickets for Barbie, please.
1: I will dress up as Barbie. Do not put it past me. I'm not dressing
0: up as Ken. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> okay, I, well
1: I will dress up as Barbie.
0: <laughs> all of my all of my clothes are like either gray or black. I'm not dressing up. In- as <laughs>
1: You could be you could be the the creepy Ken from the Barbie Girl music video. Like Yeah. We should hit that like maybe one day in the summer. We need to talk about how creepy that song is.
0: It's very creepy. I mean It's
1: a little creepy.
0: <laughs> apparently it's not even going to be in this movie. So that's uh
1: Oh, that's a felony. You can't have that.
0: That's bull bullpucky. Um anyway. Anyway, Rachel. Um let's get into what we're gonna be talking about today let's start with the Pacific division um and the central division uh there've been two races like we, I, we I've talked a lot a lot about it and we've talked a lot about it about how there's like the race for the wild card in the Western Conference is, mm-hmm. is pretty intense um, Both are. yeah both of them uh, uh but the the race for the top of the division uh in both Western conference divisions is also pretty intense and that like that will then, determine home ice that will determine a lot of stuff. Um, so there, like the fact that there's like seven, eight games left in the NHL schedule, hey, there's still some pretty crazy stuff going down here. So let's uh, let's jump into that. Um, Rachel, who do you think is going to win the Pacific Division?
1: Yeah, so right now the top three teams in the Pacific, Vegas, LA, and Edmonton, have all played the same amount of games. They each have five remaining. I would say say that edmonton has the easiest schedule given that they play anaheim and san jose twice so like three of their five remaining games should be automatic w's Mm -hmm. um unless they're they're resting guys um but the problem they have is they're four points back of vegas and gaining four points on vegas is is pretty tough um but vegas's schedule i mean you look at it they got nashville la dallas and seattle twice like how many wins do you think they get out of that? <sighs> like Nashville's fighting for a playoff spot, so you have to assume they're playing Soros. The
0: fact that Nashville is still in this, uh, uh, like they're not really in this, but the fact that they're, yeah, like the fact that they're still they're still alive at this point, given the fact that they just just sold off their entire team basically outside of their stars, is <laughs> is pretty and, impressive. Like,
1: four, their four best players are out with injury. With the, like they have Soros and guys. Right? Like no Yossi, no Forsberg, no Duchesne, no Johansson. And then obviously, like you said, they trade Niederreiter, like they trade Granlin. <laughs> Who is playing for Nashville right now?
0: Uh Tyson Berry and ah. and Colton Sissons, and that's it. <sighs> End just of those, list. Just those two. Um Yeah,
1: so you know what? I think I think Vegas will win. I think Edmonton finishes second though.
0: You think they finish second?
1: Yeah, I think they'll beat L.A. out because I think L.A., L.A., first of all, L.A. and Anaheim have to play. So I guess whoever or L.A. and Edmonton, whoever wins that game is probably going to get home ice. And that's their next game. Like, that's that's the game that will probably decide it. But L.A.'s got Edmonton, Vegas, Vancouver and Anaheim twice. And Vancouver has been good of late. Mm hmm. Now, well, uh, Thatcher Demko has been good of late.
0: <laughs> yeah co has been good. Like we all knew that there was going to be a dead cat bounce with with Vancouver. We all knew it. They had a they had the the what was it like the second or third easiest s- strength of schedule. Um, yeah. Like and after. also
1: getting your franchise goalie back that'll help.
0: That'll help. So yeah, I, I, that'll that'll be good there. Yeah. So it this is such a tight freaking race, man. Like I love it. I love that. I love that. It, like. These 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 teams know basically that they've they've locked they've either officially locked up playoff spots or they're still. um, They've
1: all clinched. They've all clinched. Colorado hasn't. Which is wild. But like
0: they're the only team out of this to have not clinched. I think it's because of games in hand. But still, it is hilarious that they, they
1: have the best points percentage of the teams in the central. But yeah, I think in the Pacific, I would go Vegas, Edmonton, L.A. That would be my order.
0: Yeah Vegas Edmonton LA. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah, I think Vegas will stay on top, absolutely. And then uh and then in the uh in the central I'll go um I'll go Colorado, Dallas, uh Minnesota. I think. I think Colorado ends up Because like, they 'cause they've they've a good like they don't have a ton of game well they have they have two games in hand, number one. Two of, and uh like we have two of those against San Jose, another one against Anaheim and I think they have another one against. Do they not have another one against Arizona too, or is that
1: no? That's that. So they they play that. So they're two against San Jose, one against Anaheim. Then they're playing Winnipeg and Nashville. So they've got and uh, LA and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. So basically, they've got three games against real bad teams, two games against bubble teams in Winnipeg and Nashville, and then two games against legitimately good opponents. You would have to think based on how Colorado is playing that they're going to beat San Jose and Edmonton. So that's three wins right there. I would wager a guess they win at least one of the games against the bubble team and one of the games against a good team. So you're talking, they probably go five and two to finish the year.
0: There's a chance, too, that by the time they reach Winnipeg, Winnipeg's out. Right. Right. And so that they could just be like, all right, kind of packing it in. So that could be an easy one, too. Yeah,
1: I'm take I'm going to take Colorado to win the division. Yes, I took them at the beginning of the year. I'm I'm taking them and then I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Dallas as well, just because if you look at the schedule, like they're playing Vegas, but then like the rest of their games are Philadelphia, Detroit and St. Louis twice. So like unless they're playing Joel Hofer, like you're probably getting Jordan Binnington and we all know how that is. So carry on. Um, but Minnesota and Colorado have a legitimate, like the, the wildcard teams kind of rest in their hands. Cause they're both playing Winnipeg and Nashville.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And, and it's the last games of the, the season for them. So, um, Minnesota finishes off Winnipeg, Nashville and Colorado finishes off Winnipeg, Nashville, obviously on different days, but like, that's, that's pretty much, it's going to come down to that more than likely.
0: It really will, man. This is this is exciting. This is exciting stuff. It's like we're we're about to transport into like the greatest time on the sports calendar, where like all all the playoffs kick off and the MLB season becomes the gets into full swing. I love it.
1: So let's theoretically let's let's say we've got. So we know Toronto and Tampa are playing each other.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. New Jersey and the Rangers are pretty much playing each other. Yeah. Now we've got. The Kings and the Oilers, who that's who we've picked. And then we've got Minnesota and Dallas, which is like the North Stars versus the Dallas, like the Minnesota team, right? What playoff series w- will be the most entertaining out of those four?
0: I'm going to go Rangers and Devils. Me too. <laughs> I think that is going to be A, awesome. See, it'll be... It it's just going to be new like New Yorkers, or like I know New Jersey is not New York, but like it'll be like the cast of The Sopranos versus the cast of like I don't know Sex and the City or something like just yelling at each other for seven games. It's awesome. I love that.
1: I yeah, I agree with you. I think that that rivalry. I mean, having worked in it, yes, um, that rivalry is heated. And so, like, I'm I I think that because both player both teams have stars, like legitimate stars, um, obviously the Rangers have the advantage in goal. Um I think, yeah, I think that series based on rivalry, based on star power, um will definitely be the most entertaining. And honestly, the Jacob Truba factor in the playoffs is going to be yeah. wild. Like, I play off Jacob Truba, I know that. There's a lot of discourse about his hits. But the reality of the situation is if you don't like the way Jacob Truba hits, then you don't like the NHL rules because by the letter of the law,
0: he hits clean for the most part. He
1: does stay with, he does, he's probably the best player in the league at walking that line. Like Tom Wilson crosses that line every other week, whereas Jacob Truba is pretty good at towing that line. And I think in a physical playoff series where like Jack Hughes is a bit of a smaller player, Nico Heischer isn't enormous by any means of the imagination. Like they're not Timo Meyer sized, right? Like if you, if Jack Hughes cuts across the blue line, like Jacob Truba might wreck him. And I really hope that doesn't happen because the more stars we have playing the better but yeah i'm with you i think that's going to be the most entertaining series
0: i mean we all know that that the leafs tampa rematch i think is going to be it's going to have explosive capabilities too but man like the devils being as deep and as good as they are just being finally being back in the playoffs and then the the rangers who are loaded at this point you know they they went out and got like literally their trade deadline consisted of tarasenko and patrick kane like, that's pretty huge um i'm excited man it's going to be great it's going to be great
1: yeah and and once again the first round of the stanley cup playoffs will absolutely undoubtedly be the best round and, and i can't wait for it
0: well and that's just you know how how great sports uh sports leagues operate you know you you gotta you know what they say you know uh, save the best for first <laughs> you know what okay, they I say that's g- the the old famous <laughs> saying
1: the, the, the best for first. okay, so speaking of the playoffs, <laughs> should, should we get into our breakdown?
0: These guys wish they could speak of the playoffs um, because we're gonna be breaking down what the heck has happened to the Winnipeg Jets. Now I'm doing what I, I like to think that I'm doing this and that we're doing this as a public service to hosts of game over Winnipeg um, and, uh, and and personal friend of mine and token Jets fan in my life. Uh, Brady, uh, Brady Chalice, Uh because he for the last like two months he's been screaming every day about how no one is talking about the Jets' downfall, no one is talking about the the skid that they're in, and uh, now we're doing it. So you're welcome, Brad.
1: And and I um, told List, the other Game Over host, that we. We're doing a breakdown and she was like, send it to me immediately. (laughs) She's like, I need to know what's happening. It's just so funny. Like it's, it's one thing to just like watch the games and break them down. But we're doing like a deep dive into the numbers. I got really bored today doing the, like the prep and watching the Donald Trump arraignment. Mm -hmm. So there is a full page. Yeah, there's a lot of Winnipeg Jets breakdown (laughs) that we are going to go through because I think it's super notable. Like remember going into All-Star Um, there was a game between Dallas and Winnipeg and the winner of that game, that coach was going to the all-star game Mm -hmm. because they were tied at the top of the central division. Neither team is there now.
0: Yeah. It's wild.
1: Right. Winnipeg at one point was like plus 200 to win the central division. That is like, no, they, they can't even win the division anymore. Like it's not possible. So like their fall from grace has been, um, Something that I agree with Brady has been a little bit under discussed.
0: Yeah, they they there's there's been a lot of a lot of problems here. So why don't we start? Um, Let's we'll start with with uh, uh, the preliminary stuff here. Namely, you know their high, their their PDO has been pretty rough lately, um, and their 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 high event chances have been pretty rough as well.
1: Yeah, so Winnipeg's a high event team under bonus. Um, there's like they take lots of shots from the slot and they give up lots of shots from the slot. Micah McCurdy at Hockey Biz um, is a fantastic resource, and he has them basically getting like plus two percent on offense and minus two percent on defense, so it effectively evens out. But you cannot be giving up that many like scoring chances and expect Connor Hellebuck to like survive basically and and i think we've seen that like you mentioned the PDO like their PDO was kind of around 105 for like the first big chunk of the season and ever since the halfway mark it's been below 100 so um it's definitely corrected and and some of that is like their 20th and 5 on 5 shooting percentage which is terrible um like that's that's a huge issue and i think shooting is a greater issue here. We're going to dive into it, like with individual players, but like your 20th on five on five shooting percentage and your 22nd in power play shooting percentage. And that doesn't count for PDO, but they're just not finishing for lack of a better word. Right.
0: Yeah. And do they, I would say that they normally have finishers. Like Shifley's usually good at finishing his chances. That's like the one thing that Blake Wheeler can do well at this point. Um,
1: Kyle Connor is obviously an elite goal scorer. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, now I'm I'm very intrigued uh, uh, to get in when we talk about the, these players because I want to talk about um, obviously Nick Ealers. Like that is the biggest that that like that is the the point of contention on, for every Jets fan is Nikolai Ealers. Just his usage. How now it's how now it's two coaches who do not seem to be able to use them properly.
1: Yeah, so you brought up Winnipeg's goal scoring here. Mark Scheifele has 39 goals, which is, like... That's very good, man. That's very good. Kyle Connor has 30.
0: Which is, like, 20 less... Or almost 20 less than what he finished with last season.
1: Yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois has 26. He should be around 30 or 35. Um, Blake Wheeler has 16.
0: That's not good enough. He makes (laughs) 8.5.
1: That's not going to cut it. Nikolai Ehlers has time on ice has cratered and he only has 12 he's also only played 41 games mm-hmm. so Nikolai Ehlers has 35 points in 41 games which
0: that would be would, that would be 70 points uh that would be 70 points
1: yeah he's so he's played he would exactly be half a season second on the team in scoring by that like pace um but yeah let's let's talk about like from a team like let's want to go like net out so we'll do like net defense
0: yeah let's start with let's start with hellebuck
1: okay so i mean did you and i talk about on the podcast that like in the first part of the season he was in the conversation for the best oh part? yeah i feel like we talked about that right
0: absolutely he what like he he dude we were we like there was sneaky like dude if they make the playoffs and they actually go like if they make wanna the run. playoffs like he could be he could be in like the heart right because like, okay, be? so
1: yeah S- okay so since then like from game 59 to game 75 is where it was a real big problem. In that stretch, Winnipeg went six, nine and two, which is a 4,11 points percentage. That is uh, not good. They gave up th- in that's 17 games, by the way. Mm-hmm. They gave up three or more goals in 13 of those 17 and four or more in nine of them. And in nine of the games, so Connor Hellebuck started 14 of those 17 games. In nine of his 14 starts in that stretch, he had a save percentage below 900.
0: Oh, that's not good.
1: And I think that could be because Winnipeg is giving up a ton of shots from the slot. Like, I've noticed they haven't been as good defensively. And over the course of the season, like, this is not Connor Hellebuck's fault. Winnipeg has the sixth best save percentage at five on five over the whole year. So Connor Hellebuck has done his job more than done his job. Mm-hmm and you would expect like i'm sure i think he started like 60 odd games you're going to be tired if you're consistently facing high danger chances so i feel like it's not really fair to be blaming connor oh hellebuck. no
0: anyone but like no he's look connor hellebuck is arguably arguably being the most just like overworked goaltender in in at least like in recent memory maybe the last like 5 years or so like it's yeah like this guy he plays more than everyone, and like you said, he faces these high danger chances. Like, like he he's have he he you know he has to work way too hard, way too hard than he should.
1: Well, I remember w- remember when they were under um, the last coach. Like, it felt like every time we discussed the Jets, it was like, oh look, they gave up five two on ones last night, and I'm like, yeah. what the heck is going on? They
0: did remind me a lot of. Um, they 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 reminded me a lot of. Uh, like the Randy Carlyle Leafs.
1: Oh God, that's not great. But like,
0: but like, you'd <laughs> always look at their number. Like they made the playoffs, you know, like
1: barely. Yeah, they barely You're made totally the playoffs,
0: right. and we knew that they weren't really going to do anything like in the, in the playoffs either. But they made it, and they had some like very like tell me that at least tell me that like Shifley. Um, Ealer or not Ealers, Sh- like Shifley, Wheeler, and and um, and Connor don't remind you of like Bozak, JVR, Kessel in terms of like their just straight up like offensive sort of dimension.
1: Precisely, and like it honestly, Kyle Connor is like Phil Kessel, and Mark Shifley was Tyler Bozak in that they don't play defense at all. Exactly, ever. and Blake Wheeler is uh, big and goes to the front of the net like James Van Riemsdyk did. That's honestly such a good comparison.
0: And exact, yeah, and like we, and then you would like you would look at the box score from that night, and it would be like you know they would end up winning like you know four three or five three or whatever, and they get outshot like forty seven to twenty six or something.
1: <laughs> That's wild, you know.
0: And you'd be like, oh, cool. And then like Connor Helibuck stood on his head, and yet he'd be like the second star of the night, like you know it, it was uh, because they they would just get tired. like that. They remind me of that, and now it seems like yes, they change coaches and everything, but like. T- t- last year and then also towards the end of this season, it just seems like they are they're not necessarily Peter Horacek Leafs the next year, obviously. Like they're they oh. which is, it was unwatchable hockey, but it was But they're definitely like they're they're I would say like their their ticket has come due, you know? Like they like they are paying for their sins now more yeah, than Yeah, and used I think
1: to. so Connor Hellebuck has dropped out of the Vesna conversation. Oh,
0: by a lot. He got hurt and, too, but like yeah.
1: And Josh Morrissey has dropped all the way out of the Norris conversation.
0: Which is a gosh darn shame, dude.
1: I'm not saying he's a bad defenseman, but he is not in the, like, I saw people comparing him to Kale McCarthy no, I was like, no, you no, just no. settle it down over there. Um, It was like, it was kind of nuts. But the thing about Josh Morrissey is, I think a lot of his start was luck attributed. His shots have remained consistent. He, and... That's the thing is, like, he's still getting a pretty similar amount of shots now as he was when he was putting up all those points. He has played the bulk of his minutes all season with Dylan DeMello. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been their top pair. He obviously runs their power play. Um, They get a fair amount of opportunities, and, and we'll touch on that, too. But I think he's just not... Um, he got pretty lucky. Like, his his shooting percentage was sky high at yes. the beginning of the year, and his on-ice shooting percentage was really high as well. And that was something that was always going to correct. That is something that always corrects to somewhere around your career percentage. And so I think at least he's, he's shooting um, the same amount, but uh, defensively, he's really dropped off.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like, he had... He definitely seemed to be riding a, like a half-season heater, basically to start the yeah. year. But and, and I'm looking at these numbers too, right? Like his first 41 games are are you know like he had uh, like like 46 points, just over point per game. He was he was amazing. You know, everyone was was talking about you know brick bonus unlocked, Josh Morrissey, and there's there was some truth to that, obviously. But um, but even when you look offensively, like from game from game 42 until now, you know it's been 33 games. He still has 25 points. Like, you'll take that from any defenseman. Um, It just happens to be that his defense, like you said, has fallen off a cliff.
1: Yeah, so one of the things, and like I loathe to use plus-minus because I think it's not obviously the best stat. But when it it
0: becomes a big, like we've said it a million times, plus-minus is not like, don't be looking at it in small samples. But when over a large sample, it is like a shocking number compared to other numbers around him, then yes, we have to...
1: Yeah. So yeah. one of those things is he was minus 10 in March. Minus 10. That is almost minus one per game. That is bad. And he hasn't been a plus player over the course of any month since December. So, to give you an idea, in his first like 46 games, he was plus 10. In the 33 games subsequent, he's minus 13. That is a difference of minus 23. That's a lot. Like, that's that's noticeable. That's a right? staggering
0: that, sort of so change. So, Winnipeg
1: went from winning the minutes that he was on the ice to very much not winning. And it doesn't surprise me that when his defensive play fell off, and it did, and so did Dylan DeMello's, yeah. um, that Winnipeg and the goaltending fell off a little bit. Obviously, Connor Hellebuck got hurt, but... That Winnipeg's play in general fell off because if you're not playing well defensively, like it's really hard to succeed. And like, according to Micah's data, his goals for per 60, which is like the actual goals for that you score at five on five, aligns with this. And the expected goals for even showed warning signs. And I remember Micah on Twitter saying that this was probably not sustainable from Josh Morrissey because he was inconsistent in terms of the underlying numbers and it was actually a negative in the middle of the season. Now, he's been better of late. He's generating more than he's giving up. But there were signs that he may struggle at some point. And I think that those came to fruition. And that's why these numbers are valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's not a shock. And, and like you said, they went from winning Morrissey's number or Morrissey's minutes to losing them now. And it's not great when Morrissey logs the most minutes on the team.
1: That's pretty much yeah, and it's not like Winnipeg has a choice. Like they don't. Neil Pionk has been horrendous this year. Oh yeah,
0: he's like he had a fall off like crazy.
1: That, that man drove off a cliff, and I think that's been a problem for Winnipeg. Um, but yeah, like when when you are depended upon to be your team's top defenseman, and you are not defensively sturdy throughout the year, like that, it's going to show up in the numbers. So that's. That's one of the reasons. And it's not just Josh Morrissey. That entire decor is to blame. But when you're playing 25 minutes a night, like you're going to wear most of that blame. 100%.
0: All right, let's move on to Nikolai Ehlers, who's the most confounding player on this because he's done nothing (laughs) but produce and and like produce good raw box, you know, sort of box stat numbers and uh, or box score numbers and good, you know, like two way and possession numbers. And yet this is the second coach in a row now that has... Either made him the like the whipping boy in a way, um, or has like punished it or 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 has just not used him properly.
1: Well, yeah, like I just want to right off the top point out that every single every mm-hmm. single one without fail every single Jets player performs better when Nick Ehlers is on the ice versus when Nick Ehlers is off the ice. So when Nick Ehlers is on the ice playing with any Jets player, you name it, that player is performing at a better clip than when. That player is on the ice without Nick Ehlers. And that is something that is extremely indicative of underlying success and something that should probably be paid attention to a little bit more because we talk about what makes special players and it's their ability to make the players around them better. What makes Connor McDavid so good other than like the laundry list of things? He makes everybody around him better. Hampus Lindholm is doing that in Boston. He's had a complete resurgence. He's in the Norris conversation because he makes everybody around him better. Nikolai Ehlers does that, and yet he's playing far less at 5-on-5. And, like, there were nights... (laughs) We've had texts go back and forth where I'm like, is Nikolai Ehlers on the fourth line, or am I Mm. imagining things?
0: Yeah, he's always... uh... Like he like for some reason he just ends up being fourth line. He's on the power play. Like the number one thing I've heard, and it's become like a joke at this point from Brady. Like I said, the token Jets fan in my life is uh, is is Nikolai Ehlers being on PP two on on the second power play unit, and why that which is ugh, makes no sense. It's, it's,
1: it's insane. So he's playing second line minutes, like in terms of even strength. Last year he was playing top line minutes. Andy was playing with. Winnipeg's top guys, you're naturally going to produce better. So his offensive opportunities have been diminished and naturally his offense has cratered as a result. That is something that you would expect. And yet he is still, even though he's playing with not as talented players, he is still producing at nearly a point per game. And I don't know about you, but I don't know many point per game or near point per game players that are playing on the second power play unit and on the third and fourth lines at any point.
0: I don't know very many. That's for sure.
1: Right. So you look at it. He plays. So his even strength defense has improved, but it's come at the cost of his offense cratering. So it's lessened his overall value. Like what makes Nikolai Ehlers special? He's an offensive defense dynamo he creates opportunities for his teammates which is why they all perform better when he's on the ice and yet you're you're gonna play him with like mason appleton and adam lowry like he plays less than kyle connor mark shifley and nino nina Ryder in terms of wingers insane right and he's the third most valuable forward by dom's model and like never mind winger forward generally speaking but he has similar ice time to Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? He's he's their third most valuable forward. And if they played him more, he'd probably be their second or most valuable forward. And he's literally being played on the second power play unit and with players who he has no business playing with. Like, it just makes no sense to me. He would be on the top line in... Vancouver, in Montreal, probably in Ottawa. Like he'd be a top line player, top power play player on pretty much any NHL team. So why is he not in Winnipeg? It just
0: it I makes no sense. And he and like you said, Rachel, he like he would be another a top a top line player and a top power play producer. He likely will be on another team. Uh, he likely will fill those roles on another team that actually knows how to use him. Uh, if this keeps up, because if I'm Nikolai Ehlers, I am not super thrilled about this.
1: No, and that leads into the next guy, which is Mark Shifley, and part of the reason why Nikolai Ehlers' ice time has been diminished is because Mark Shifley is so bad defensively that they've had to move him to the wing, and he has taken Nikolai Ehlers' spot.
0: And here's the thing, too, is that Mark Shifley is bad defensively because he wants to be bad defensively.
1: Oh yeah, he's very capable of being adequate defensively. Or at least better. Like, this is not a secret that he's bad defensively. He, uh, he, he
0: at least, he at least has the ability to be better than he is. We don't know if he will, he, you know, we're not saying he could be a Selkie, you know, he could be a Selkie nominee if, if he just applied himself. But if he just, you know, maybe kept his feet moving on any back check, like even just made it look like he was trying... I feel like, you know, he, would, he
1: wouldn't, he wouldn't be in the bottom 10 percentile of defensive He would just lock himself
0: into being a better defensive player. Like, I think, you know, like he would just, he would just be, be lucked into it.
1: I'm actually going to check something because I was looking at Mark Shifley, like generally speaking. I want to know who's been worse defensively this year, him or JT Miller. Because that is a
0: really tough, like, that is tough. That is, you know.
1: That's tough, right? Like, that's, when you're being compared to...
0: That's a real Sophie's Choice right there.
1: I mean, obviously, neither, but... Okay, so according to Evolving Hockey, Mark Shifley's defense is in the 10th percentile this year. And JT Miller is in the... Let's see what he is... 13. So he has been worse than JT Miller.
0: That's genuinely hard to do.
1: And it might be because JT Miller kills penalties and Mark Shifley does not.
0: Why do they have JT Miller on penalty kill? What? The f-
1: because JT Miller is actually willing to block shots. and That's true. I mean, so does Elias Pettersson has been fantastic. And also like Bo Horvat was the premier penalty killer. So was Ilya Mikheyev. Mm-hmm. Mikheyev uh yeah, we all know what happened there. Um, Bo got traded, so, like, your premier penalty killers now are Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Dakota Joshua, who's actually had a really good season. Um, but, like, you need, like, better guys. But, like, anyways, like, with Mark Scheifele, he has had to be moved to the wing because Rick Bonus, thank God, recognized that he is a complete defensive liability. Yes. But you look at it, okay, so he had 31 goals at the end of January, which is a 50-goal pace he has eight since January 31st, which is a 26 goal pace. So he has 50% less goals.
0: Yeah. Look, 26, right? That's not terrible. But like when you were on pace, like were you on a 50 pace? Not great.
1: And he's still going to get 40 this year. But when you're on a tear to get 50 and then you just like go off the map, that's a problem. And like he had 47 points at the end of January, which is 0.9 points per game. So Mm -hmm. like he was on pace for like... 73 74 points Mm -hmm. he has 17 points since that's 0.68 like that's a drop off of more than 20 percent.
0: that's another just not good enough stat line
1: yeah like you just can't when you are one of the offensive leaders of this of your team and you are producing at a clip and yes he had an elevated shooting percentage but he's not even producing the same amount of scoring chances anymore that's a problem and so he's been excellent offensively in terms of like his scoring chance and his generation. But in terms of like rebounds created and power play, like that has all cratered. He has also like his defense from the beginning of the season to now has been horrendous.
0: Yeah. And when you And it was
1: it's not being masked anymore.
0: And when when you are that bad defensively, um you have to Like, like when you're so when when you are so one dimensional in terms of your your offense, you have to you have you have to be able to back it up. You have to like you can't you can't then stop producing.
1: Yeah, like when Alex Ovechkin was awful defensively, he was forgiven for it because he scored umpteen billion goals every year. No one cared and even when Ovechkin won the cup he played defense like he actually committed mm-hmm. to the to the bit he was a but student like, of
0: the game as Mike Milbury like, always wanted him to be
1: <laughs> yes but like you you make a great point if you want to get a pass for being terribly defensive, defensively yeah you better be putting up 100 points without a discussion because if you look at some of the best forwards Elias Patterson is probably going to get 100 points this year he has been one of Vancouver's best defensive forwards. Austin Matthews leads the league in uh, leads the league in forwards for block shots, like, and he's also a two hundred foot center. You need to be doing that. Um, Mitch Marner is, I think, already at hundred points. Jason Robertson, another one. Like all of these players can be excused for poor defensive play, and yet Mitch Marner is in the selkie conversation. Mark Stone is continuously in the Selkie conversation. Jason Robertson is near the heart conversation. Like Mark Shifley's nowhere near any of that. And so you got he's either gotta figure it out defensively and like make somewhat of an effort, or you better start producing 45 goals a year.
0: You better. And he's not doing that right now. All right. Let's talk about special teams to round up our to round it all up, shall we?
1: Yeah, so I noticed on the interwebs, that people were yelling and screaming about um, penalties as it pertained to the Leafs. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went and did a deep dive as it pertained to Winnipeg because I noticed a few very loud Winnipeg Jets laughing about it. And let me just point something out. Winnipeg has the eighth most power play opportunities in the NHL this year, and they have been shorthanded the 23rd most so they have over what is it they have 34 more power play opportunities than they do shorthanded than they've spent shorthanded they have 49 power play goals and they've only given up 39 shorthanded which is like about even Mm -hmm. but if you look at the discrepancy usually like I know somebody did a deep dive on a few teams a couple of years ago, and it usually is about even, but Winnipeg has 34 more power play opportunities than they've been shorthanded. That is very unbalanced, and it's very rare. I also find it incredibly difficult to believe that a team who plays the way Winnipeg does is the 23rd most penalized team in the league.
0: That Mark Shifley PR tour that he usually does is really paying off. He seems to get the benefit of the doubt a lot, so.
1: Yeah, and so, like, special teams-wise, like, their power play ranks 24th in the NHL, which is below the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> is that bad?
0: For, if you're below Can the you, Arizona Coyotes in anything except for, I don't know, like, d- I think draft picks, <laughs> like, arenas you've been kicked out of, then I think uh, I think it's pretty good.
1: Do you even know, like, who's on Arizona's power play? I literally
0: couldn't tell you. Like, if you... Like, it,
1: I could tell you two players.
0: I could tell you maybe. that it's probably, like, Nick Schmaltz and Kay- Clayton Keller. And, and
1: Matias Michelli.
0: And, okay, so three. I could tell you probably three. And that's... My job is to know this stuff, and I... Like, you I you could threaten the lives of my entire family. I'd just be like, kill him. I don't know. I'm sorry.
1: Right. And Winnipeg has... Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Josh Morrissey, and Nino Niederreiter on their top unit. Who could help improve that top unit, Mike?
0: <laughs> why don't you, you know what, why don't you tell me, Rachel, because I think I have a I have a pretty good idea.
1: So I feel like for a power play that is 25th in goals for per 60 and 26th in shots for per 60, they could probably use a guy who could get the puck to their shooters. And i feel like Nikolai Ehlers fits that bill.
0: You'd think he does. What do you say? It would make too much sense, though. That's the thing.
1: Not allowed. And the thing is, is Winnipeg's in desperation mode. Your power play should be on, like unit one should be on for a minute and a half. And Nikolai Ehlers absolutely needs to be one of those players. It is not acceptable to not have him distributing the puck to... Guys like Shifley, guys like if, if you're going to have Wheeler on the power play, which I don't really know why you would, at least in PP1, like you could just replace him with Nikolai Ehlers or you could replace Nino Niederreiter with Nikolai Ehlers. You could really do a lot, right? But Kyle Connor is always going to be that low player. You have Mark Shifley traditionally um, in the bumper on the left hand side, depending. Um, and Nikolai Ehlers is always on the flank. And his ability to be super shifty and create lanes and uh, make space for his teammates to create high-end opportunities is the best on his team. Just, it is flat out. And so if you want a way to improve your power play, maybe look there.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Who's to say?
1: Who's to say? The one bright spot is their penalty kill is really good.
0: (sighs) Man, it's just nuts. It's nuts to me. Yeah,
1: like the penalty kill is sixth in the NHL. Connor Hellebuck has been a stud, 10th in save percentage as a team, and 8th in expected goals against. So they're not even giving up a ton on the penalty kill in terms of scoring chances. So Connor Hellebuck's load is a little bit lightened from that perspective. And that's probably why when you have a really good goalie and you're not giving up a ton of chances, it's probably why you have a good PK. Um, So at least the PK is doing his job, but that power play has to be better. And their top players, like, you just have to be better and maybe play one of your best players like just a thought
0: absolutely all right rachel before we head out let's uh uh, let's round out the avengers cast here um so you know last episode we did like the first initial group of of uh of players as avengers um uh like it was was the initial six now we have a couple extra characters here you know that have rounded out so uh we got ant-man captain marvel quicksilver um you know spoiler Quicksilver died um in the uh uh in the only movie he's being in but we'll we'll include him anyway I already know who I'm putting him um Quicksilver Black Panther Nick Fury Doctor Strange and Shang-Chi so
1: I already I have a suggestion for Shang-Chi but I want to see who you oh, pick for him
0: interesting okay um all right
1: can you describe because I yeah, because you don't <laughs> if know. If anybody hasn't picked up, I don't know what any of the Avengers yeah. do, except like the dudes from last episode. I know what those guys do. Um, and I know it's Spider-Man because he's my favorite superhero. But he's going to be, we're going to do a separate Spider-Man Yeah, we'll episode. do a different
0: Spider-Man one. Um, what do you need me to explain, Rachel?
1: Okay, what is, Ant-Man, what's his power? What's he known for? His
0: power is to shrink, get really small. So I'm literally so, just going to choose the smallest player in the league. I don't know who that is right now. But or
1: is it or or do we pick like the best small player?
0: Sure, I mean I was gonna go like like even though he's retired, like Nathan Gerby, just because he's literally five <laughs> four, like, like like who's really small, like Ooh. like like he's if if Lane Hudson was in the the NHL, I'd I'd say him.
1: Oh yeah, because Lane Hudson is. He's a child. I
0: I interviewed him at the World Juniors. He's like he he literally has like the build of a child. Um, but like, but he also is able to pack a quite the punch. Um, who like who who is like just 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 name a good short player. I'm. I'm I know. I kind of
1: want to look at like shortest NHL players now. I'm
0: blanking right now. Like, who are the really short NHLers?
1: Oh, Cole Caulfield.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Boom. There you go. Ant Man's Cole Caulfield. I was actually going to... You know what? Can I reuse... Can I reuse um, characters if we do, like, Spider-Man and stuff? What do you mean? Because I would put Cole Caulfield as Spider-Man.
1: Oh, I think Jack Hughes is Spider-Man, but... Okay, okay yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you're right, of, you're right. Instead of Cole Caulfield as Ant-Man, you could do Alex DeBrinket If you want to save Cole Caulfield.
0: Yeah, I'll do... Yeah, I'll do Debrinkat because... I feel like Cole... I feel like Caulfield's ceiling's higher... And Ant Man's like good as a character, but he's he's very sort of like Like if Ant Man is a character, he would like definitely top out as like a 40 goal score. I think that's that's to bring cat. So yeah, we'll do that. Um obviously right, we'll
1: save we'll save Caulfield. He'll be in the chamber for a different superhero. Yeah, yeah.
0: So we'll do we'll do that. Um obviously Merlin falut poulin is is Captain Marvel. Obviously.
1: Obviously. Captain
0: We were saving Go- the we were saving like because you asked me about like Scarlet, or not? Uh, I keep saying Scarlet Witch because it's Scarlet Johansson. Black Widow, um, and like like Captain Marvel is like the the most like powerful she like a uh, uh, person in in the Marvel universe, like the most powerful hero in the Marvel universe. And in Poland like she like there's nothing else that we can put her as. She deserves that respect.
1: And we made Hillary Knight Scarlet Witch, right?
0: Yes, I believe we did. Okay, and that that makes a lot of sense because Hillary Knight is like. To me, she's very like mysterious. You know, I don't know why she's just got this like mystery, like vibe of mystery to her. It's very nice. I like, I like it, and that's what Scott. And she's Witch-
1: super cool and so yeah, is exactly. That's what Witch, so.
0: um, Quicksilver is obviously Casper captain because literally the only thing he can do is move fast. Um, like the 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 thing about Quicksilver in in the MCU is he's really fast, and then he dies. So, so,
1: dying would be like getting waved, which happened to Kasparov hundred year.
0: Now, Black Panther is very interesting. Um, because Black Panther. What is Black Panther? So, Black Panther is the king of um, the adva- technologically advanced African nation of Wakanda. Okay. He's a leader. Um, so, I'm trying to think. He's obviously strong, he's fast um man so black panther like who like a?
1: I was gonna say if he's i was everything you said until you said fast i was like wayne simmons
0: um see i would say that
1: <sighs> but like okay so let's think first of all he absolutely has to be a player of color yes as is nick fury you can't have a white player be yeah <laughs> that's not a thing um evander Kane? no
0: don't even dare no? don't finish that sentence
1: okay Sorry. Are you
0: kidding me? Don't ever, don't put that disrespect on Black Panther. Um, you know I'm gonna go. Mm. I'm gonna go Keandre Miller.
1: Ooh, that's a good one. I'm
0: gonna go Keandre Miller because Black Panther. It's not just the. Um, it's not just his physical strength, which Keandre Miller has a lot of, but it's also his strength of character, and we all know that Keandre Miller is just like a very good person. Um,
1: oh, I was going to say if we're going like if we were allowed to use retired players, I would use Jerome Gintlo. Oh,
0: oh my god, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Now for Nick Fury.
1: What is So what is Nick so Fury? So Nick Fury
0: is kind of like the He's the director of Shield and Shield is like the organi- is like the sort of like military organization. Now So
1: we're talking straight up leadership here.
0: I would say Wayne Simmons.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking that because too.
0: also Nick Fury at this point, if we're going off at this point, Nick Fury is kind of past his prime, you know? Like he's he's getting older. He's not quite as effective anymore. He's literally been on a vacation in in the Marvel in like his his character has literally been on vacation um since was it 2019? Um so I would have to go um like Wayne there's Simmons.
1: a few I I think okay, so Wayne Simmons cuz like Obviously you have Anthony Duclair, you have Darnell Nurse, but are we going a Ginlar or are we going We have to do current uh, players, right? So So Keandre Miller, I like that pick. Keandre Miller is is a great pick. Keandre
0: Miller and um and Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons, like I definitely am getting Nick Fury just because he's like he's he's a badass. Obviously he can handle himself if he really needs to, but he's kind of like he's, he's in his twilight years in a way.
1: And he can provide advice. He provides advice. Yes, to like a it's bunch all, he's all, He people, always
0: right? shows up for a monologue of some sort, you know. So
1: he's a, a, a crafty veteran. Like the
0: like the heroes are always down and out, and then Nick Fury will show up and be like, you know, you guys are the heroes. You need to save the world. And they're all like, wow, we didn't realize that until Nick Fury told us. And then they they go out and they uh they do, they it. do it. Um, Doctor Strange is actually a really hard one.
1: <laughs> okay, so he's the time travel guy, right? Yes, like he can stop time.
0: Yeah, he's got the eye of Agamotto, so he can uh, turn back kay. time. Yeah.
1: Can I make two suggestions? Absolutely. Patrice Bergeron.
0: Oh, that's a really Oh, that's a really good one.
1: Or Sidney Crosby because Father Time just does not apply to them.
0: Sidney Crosby it has to be reserved for something better. Okay,
1: because um, I think Patrice Bergeron is literally 40 years Patrice old. Patrice Bergeron is 100 somehow-
0: is 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 <laughs> yes. Put Patrice Bergeron in there. 100%. Um and then for Shang Chi, I was going to say Jason Robertson. Same. <laughs> yeah, because Jason Robertson just hit 100 points, um, and Shang-Chi is the, like, he... Uh, uh,
1: Simu Liu. Simu Liu. Solid Canadian.
0: The only thing is, Jason Robertson is not Canadian, um, but neither is Shang-Chi, so it doesn't matter. Sure. Uh, but, exactly. <laughs> um, although... Uh, see, the thing about Shang-Chi is that he's the son of the Mandarin, and the Mandarin is a uh, is a very...
1: He's the son of an orange.
0: No, he's the son of like a, like a villain, like a very powerful villain. So I was trying to think of like, I was trying to think of like, who, like, like, you know, the, the best Nepo baby in the NHL, but like their, but their dad had has to be, but the dad has to be like really, like, like really, really really powerful as well.
1: Uh, so it would be a Kachuk. I would, I like Jason Robertson.
0: Yeah. Let's do Jason Robertson. If if Jason Robertson's dad had like been a very good NHLer, then this would have been the perfect analogy. Um, um,
1: also, I would say Brendan Lemieux.
0: No, but don't even. He
1: somebody submitted the movie The Insurrection to our Twitter. Yeah, account I saw that with yeah. Tony D'Angelo. So it's just it's
0: just Tony <laughs> D, which is so, I saw that that Photoshop.
1: I was. Oh dying. My okay, God. so here's what we got. I'll read the list. Ant Man is Alex Debrinca. Yes. Captain Marvel is Malif- Marie-Philippe Pouin. Yep. Quicksilver is Kasperi Captain. Yep. Black Panther is Keandre Miller. Yep. Nick Fury is Wayne Simmons. Yep. Doctor Strange is Patrice Bergeron. Yep. And Shang-Chi is Jason Robertson.
0: Absolutely. Yep.
1: All right. Yeah. Keep sending us suggestions. We've got, like, the Jungle Book, Mean Girls... One of one Dalmatians, so like Mike's gonna do some and I'm gonna do some because like I don't expect Mike to know the personalities of the fifteen Dalmatians. I don't,
0: like definitely not the Dalmatians themselves, <laughs> but like the, all the humans in the in in the story, I definitely would know. Um, uh, the now we have a suggestion here as well for Ocean's Eleven, which I think would be so much fun. Um,
1: I don't even know what Ocean's Eleven is. It's a heist
0: movie with like George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Matt Damon and
1: <laughs> oh what? Okay, so I gotta watch. Yeah, that you gotta watch. It's I literally like all like of those men
0: and <laughs> Don Cheadle. Um, it's just like putting together like a like a heist crew of of, um, of NHLers. It would be, it'd be great.
1: Oh, that'd be so fun. Yeah. Somebody texted me that we should do Step Brothers, and I was like, Oh no! What's well, the Chucks <laughs> like? It has it's to. It's obviously be right. the
0: Chucks. If, if anything, we should do Anchorman.
1: Oh my god! Yeah. Like the okay. New, so we have a lot team. of suggestions. Yeah.
0: So we we could do that. But that's great. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully, Jets fans feel. I don't know man. Like I, I I was not gonna say feel better. Like Jets fans have probably walked closer to the edge of the cliff after reading all after <laughs> listening to sorry, all. Sorry everyone. So sorry about that. But on that note, um we are going to we're gonna bid you adieu um until uh later this week when we have another podcast. But Rachel, it's always been a pleasure. And uh I gotta go start getting ready for to cover the game tonight.
1: All right, I'm going to go lay in the fetal position in my bed because I think Byron just lost. Mm,
0: That's that's an appropriate response.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go lay in my bed in the fetal position.
0: Okay, well, on that note, um, take care, everybody. We'll see you later this week.